Welcome to Footnotes, the Cicerone podcast, a podcast to inspire you about outdoor travel and activities in the UK and across the world. I'm Hannah. And I'm Amy. Thank you for joining us for the latest episode of the Cicerone podcast, which this week features highlights from our recent November Cicerone live event. We had the pleasure of hosting Raina Wynn and Paddy Dillon to talk all about homelessness, the transformative power of long-distance walking, and the trust that forms between someone using a guidebook and the author. We're sure that our guests need no introduction, but as a brief reminder of who they are. Raina Wynn is a long-distance walker who writes about nature, homelessness and wild camping. The Salt Path, a Sunday Times bestseller and shortlisted for the 2018 Costa Biography Award, explores her experience of walking the southwest coast path during a period of homelessness. In her second and recently released book, The Wild Silence, Raina explores readjusting to life after homelessness. She lives in Cornwall with her husband, Moth. Patty Dillon is one of Cicerone's most prolific walkers and guidebook writers, with over 90 guidebooks to his name and contributions to 40 other titles. Paddy is the author of Cicerone's Guidebook to the Southwest Coast Path, the guidebook used by Rainer and Moth on their journey along the coast from Minehead to Pool, and also the guidebook to walking and trekking in Iceland, which Rainer and Moth used on their Icelandic trek in the wild silence. For the extended live video version, with photos from Paddy's guidebook to the Southwest Coast Path and walking and trekking in Iceland, and lots more audience questions, do go to the Cicerone website, www.cicerone.co.uk forward slash live, where you can find the video recording for this event and all of our other previous live events. So this was a really special event for us. It was wonderful to speak to Raina Wynn and Paddy and hear the kind of behind the scenes of how the Salt Path was written and created in the wild silence and all those experiences it was really exciting, I think, to see the original copy of the Southwest Coast Path that Raina and Moth used with all the scribbles in that she used to write the Salt Path in the first place. Even though it was an old edition of the book, it just it felt really special to actually see that copy because she's still so proud of that original book and it brings back so many memories for her for the walk. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Hannah, and that was a really lovely thing to be able to hear about and yet to see firsthand on our event so I suppose if people are listening to this and would like to actually see the book it's right at the beginning of the event so you could head over onto either the Cicerone website or our YouTube channel to actually see that for yourself uh, once you've listened to this episode. And it was really nice as well to see how Paddy and Raina both completely love the path for quite different reasons. But after writing the book, and Raina did actually meet Paddy, and now they seem like good friends that can share so many experiences of the path. Paddy having walked it four times, and Raina now being an ambassador for the Southwest Coast Path. It was a really positive interview, and there were loads of really nice things that were talked about, but actually there was an undercurrent always of big, serious issues like homelessness and environmental concerns. And I think it's really important for as many people as possible to raise awareness of those issues and to talk about practical things we can do to help. One of the questions that we had from one of our listeners was actually about how can we help with homeless people that we see in the street and what can we do and then there's been some discussion about Cicerone's use of plastic on the guidebook cover that we're trying to phase out and it's 
as well as just discussing a beautiful walk, I think it's really important to be able to discuss the bigger issues as well. It really felt like they could just have talked for hours and hours. And it was frustrating, I'm sure for you, but I was in the background getting customer questions. And it was really frustrating not being able to sort of interrupt and and talk to them and keep it going for hours and hours. I felt like we could have chatted long into the evening with Paddy and Raina. There was so much to discuss. Yeah, I, I remember looking at the clock and thinking, oh, I've really got to move on to some like audience questions now. But actually, we could just keep this conversation. Yeah, just going and going. And it did feel a lot like just being sat almost in a pub or just in someone's kitchen, say, just having a chat. And I think, yeah, that kind of as you've said, Hannah, like it does tackle some quite big issues within the event. But yeah, underlying it was just a really nice, warm current. And I hope that comes across. I think a lot of the listeners as well were saying how much the salt path had really moved them. And that was really nice. So we had a range of people commenting, saying that they love Patty Dillon's guidebooks, which is nice. We were lucky that we get that quite a lot. But then lots of people saying how much the salt path meant to them. And that was, again, a really nice thing. People saying that they'd done the walk because Raina had done it and that they also had excellent experiences. And it just seems that everyone who's read the salt path really took something from it, which is the mark of, in my opinion, the mark of a a brilliant writer and a brilliant book. Yeah, well, I know it certainly got me through lockdown in a way, being able to, yeah, escape my four walls and be out somewhere else. I think I almost preferred The Wild Silence as well. I think because The Salt Path came out a couple of years ago, I think everybody knows the story, but I was desperate to find out what happened next. I I devoured that because I was so keen to catch up with Rainer and Moth and and see what happened for them. I, I was so hopeful for a happy outcome for them. So it was great to be able to revisit Moth and Rainer and see the next step in, in their journey. I think it's time for me to welcome Rainer and Paddy. Hello, good evening. Hi. Raina, the wild silence starts with an account of how you wrote The Salt Path, using notes that you wrote inside of Paddy's guidebook. And I thought it was wonderful to hear about how you did that and how you recorded the memories inside the guidebook itself. Was it a conscious decision to begin with making those notes or did it just seem like a natural thing to do as you were going along? No, we weren't thinking about keeping notes. We certainly hadn't taken a notebook with us. All we had, the only paper that we had with us was Paddy's guidebook. So at the end of each day, in in the tent at night, Moth would write little pencilled notes in the margins of the guidebook just to say, you know, where we'd camped or odd people that we'd met. And and that incredible guidebook with all its wrinkled pages became the, the basis of the salt path. Do you think you could have written the salt path without those notes? It wouldn't have been the same, I don't think, because when I opened that guidebook and I started to think about that walk and and how important that walk had been to us, and I reopened the guidebook, it was as if putting those three things together, it was as if I could 
feel the wind and smell the salt. And I think if I hadn't had that guidebook, not just everything that Paddy had put in it, but everything else that we'd layered on top of his, I I don't think I could have felt the passing the same way when I came to write it. So it, it was really fundamental to being able to write that book. And I think it's really moving to read about how you actually, you were putting moth back on the path. I think that's the description you use. I just thought that was so moving. Yeah, I I started to write the book. It certainly wasn't for publication. It certainly wasn't for anyone else to see other than moth, because... At that point, he he was starting to starting to forget things, starting to lose a lot of his memories of of the path, and it'd been such an important time for us, such a really powerful thing in our lives. I didn't want to let it go. I didn't want I didn't want him to lose the feeling of what that path had meant to us, and so so I started to write the notes, just the notes that he'd put in the margins. I just started to write those up. And and then I was just writing to try to give him something that when he opened it, he would feel like it was right there on the path next to me. And and it would recreate it for him and and give him back the memories that he was losing. And, And that's all it was. At that point, that's as far as it was going. It was just for him. Yeah, it's an amazing journey. Paddy, you've written over 90 guidebooks, but I was wondering if you had a similar experience of reading back route description and knowing a certain person that you met that day or whether you've written so many now that they'll blur into one I think when I've been to a place two three four five times it does begin to blur into one this summer I was on the southwest coast path for the fourth time and although it's still fresh in my mind because it was I only finished it a few weeks ago I'm sure that within the next couple of years, I'll be remembering it alongside my previous walks on the Southwest Coast Path. So, yeah, I think if you keep going back and keep walking the same routes, they do tend to merge together. If you've only been somewhere once and it's somewhere spectacular and maybe you've only met half a dozen people, I'd be thinking of something like the Arctic Circle Trail in Greenland. You tend to remember that with a lot more clarity because it's so unusual that it's one of a kind and you will almost remember the people you met and the day you met them even if you don't write it down but yeah in terms of the southwest coast path after four complete treks along it they are beginning to merge together but yeah I mean it's just full of wonderful memories. You mentioned the Arctic Circle Trail in the Salt Path and the Wild Silence. Raina you create this persona of the superhuman Paddy Dillon and I want to get Paddy's live response (laughs) on that Um, but I just wanted to say that you really grow to trust him and his words and I found that quite touching given that you clearly developed quite a few trust issues given your time being homeless and it was just really nice to hear that you did trust Paddy and that's why you chose the, the Iceland book. Yeah, guidebook of paddies that we used on the southwest coast path. It, it became like, it really became like a friend in our pocket because when everything else let us down, Paddy was always there. He was always there to say, there's a style coming up, don't worry, or very soon there's going to be a stream. And it always was. Every time he said, round the next corner, it's all going to get better. He doesn't actually say that, but virtually. Um it always did. And it was so accurate and you could always rely on it. And that's why I used him so much in the salt path. That's why I referred back to him so many times because it felt he really 
feel like we've got a friend with us. So I've just got to read you this little bit of how I described Paddy in the book, because in my mind, even though I've met Paddy a few times now, maybe I was not quite accurate here, but in my, in my head, this is how Paddy will always be. A slow, leg-pumping morning confirmed that Paddy Dillon is probably superhuman. In fact, I'm convinced he's ex-SAS, eats raw seaweed for breakfast, runs marathons when there's nothing on TV, and wears camouflage pyjamas. <laughs> this is day nine, when it's really day 17, but it's quite feasible to cover 15 and a half miles of the most scenic but also one of the toughest, stretches and still have strength to admire the waterfall. <laughs> he also thinks it can be quite tiring in wet and windy weather. Does that mean it's a walk in the park on a hot sunny day? That's what's brilliant in um, The Wild Silence when you actually, as it Moth says, that you've actually done one of Paddy's stages in a day. It's absolutely yeah. incredible. <laughs> Triumph. We had to really celebrate that. But for, for once and for the very first time, we'd kept up with Paddy. <laughs> it was his shortest ever stage, but we still, we'd done it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Paddy, what do you think about these superhuman analogies? They're way off of the mark, but I'll tell you what happened. When I was checking an update for a guidebook in Madeira, I came back late one night, it had been a wet day, I'd been struggling with landslides and diverted paths, and I got back to my digs and the email pinged, and I looked at it and uh, it was from someone I didn't know, it was from Raina, and I clicked it and it basically said, Dear Mr Dillon, if you object to any of the enclosures, I'll be quite happy to change it, and there was a PDF attached. And yes, of course, it was a book. And then I thought, well, all right, which bits of it am I supposed to be objecting to? So I had to read the whole thing. I started reading and the next thing I knew it was five in the morning and I was ready to go back out into the pouring rain, back up another mountain. But when I read the bits about me, not only did I think that's way off the mark, but I absolutely did not object to any of it. I thought, you know, if that's what Raina wants to write, I'm quite happy for her to write it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, anyone who knows me has had a good laugh at that. And, and it's absolutely crazy what she's written about. And I said, I know, but I let it go. You know, I don't object to any of it, but it, it is way off the mark. I just plod along nice and quietly do my job, you know, <laughs> my enjoyment out of the path. Uh, in no way am I superhuman or anything like that. And the, the pyjamas are not camouflage, but they are green, you know. So well, it, it, I know cool. this. I know I this. Think... Yeah, I know this because I met Paddy in the summer when he was walking the, the coast path backwards just so he got a <laughs> different view. And I met him and we were sitting on the balcony in the pub and he got his pyjamas out. Paddy, what are you doing? <laughs> Well, he brought his pyjamas just to prove that they weren't camouflage. <laughs> there is a real sense of community on these long distance routes. And I think there is a balance between the kind of act of walking as a lone solitary activity, but also that kinship of sharing the trail or path with someone. How important is that to both of you? I think I'm quite happy to plod along on my own. And I certainly do find it a lot easier when I'm working on a guidebook to actually do that without any interruptions. 
But by the same token, I'm quite happy to walk along with someone of like mind going in the same direction, sharing that experience. It's a joyful thing. And but it does vary from trail to trail. Some trails you will meet so many people each day. I think of maybe the Caminos. They are very busy. Everybody's going in the same direction. On the Southwest Coast Path, on my previous walks along it, I don't think I've met more than three or four people doing the whole thing. And this summer, I met as many as a dozen a day doing the whole thing. Whether that's a consequence of lockdown and staycations and that sort of thing, it seemed to me a lot busier than I was expecting it based on my previous experiences of walking the whole thing. I I was just so interested in the experience of other people that if I saw anybody who looked like they were doing the whole thing, and you'd usually gauge that by them having a bigger pack than normal, I'd just quickly stop them and say, how far are you going? You're doing the whole thing? And quite often they'd say, oh, just out for one or two weeks, just going to Land's End or something like that. And then some of them would say, yes, going the whole way. Yeah, but I enjoyed all those meetings. It was wonderful. And, and what about you, Raina? What's your experience of that? Quite different, I think, because when we're walking, we'll stop and chat to anybody who wants to chat. And and consequently, we never keep up with Paddy's timings in his book because, uh, because sometimes we chat all afternoon and end up only having walked three miles in a day, which doesn't get you very far. Um, <laughs> but I think you're right. There is a real community on the path, whatever path that is. There's that real sense of you're all doing that same thing. You're all in that same endeavour together whether you're just doing part of it or all of it or or just like you say out for the weekend there's that sense of community that's that's really quite strong and I've even when I'm not walking the path now I'm often contacted by other people who are so at the moment there are people who are walking the path just coming to the end of it or or have walked it this summer who, who keep sending me all their tales from their walk from their story and a powerful thing to share that sense of shared place and shared endeavor I think it's such a such a uniting thing it's really quite something if you've been inspired about long distance walking head on over to the Cicerone website where you can get 25% off all our guidebooks to long distance walking in the UK guidebooks include the Pennine Way the Pembrokeshire Coast Path Hadrian's Wall Path and plenty more please use the code OUTDOOR25 at the checkout, which will be valid for the first 100 users. We hope you enjoy planning your outdoor adventures. And I suppose um, in terms of communities and and really connecting with people, Raina, your experience of homeless communities and particularly the rural homeless, I found really moving in both of your books and the fact that you met the young homeless man who came past your home when you were living on the path have you heard similar things from a lot of people within the homeless community who were equally inspired to set out and do these longer routes some not not a vast amount but some you know we did meet so many homeless people when we were walking the coast path but you wouldn't know were there people who lived in communities in sheds and in woods people living in their cars or under bridges it, it was a real surprise to find maybe because we were in that situation ourselves maybe we're more on the lookout for it but it was such a surprise to find so many people and and then after i published a, an article in in the big issue about being homeless on the path 
to meet that one young man who was walking the coast path, having prior to, to reading that, that article, prior to that, he'd been living on the streets in Exeter, but he'd read the article and he'd felt inspired to go and walk the path. That was such a powerful thing for me because we met and, and I said, obviously, it was my turn to say, you know, how far are you walking? Where have you been? Where are you coming from? And when he said that he was walking because he'd read an article in The Big Issue, come back, have a cup of tea, have some food. And he said, no, I can't. I've got to keep walking because this path has changed my life. I was sleeping rough on the streets of Exeter, but I'm never, ever going back to that old life. This is my life now. I thought just just a year or two earlier, that could have been me. That could have been us. And it has changed my life. It changed his life. And I think for so many other people in so many other different difficult circumstances, whether they're homeless, whether they're going through some emotional difficulty or some other problem in their life, they find they they find themselves on a path and it's just something about the power of just walking every day. The power of just putting one foot in front of another just change lives. I think that's really beautiful the way you just put that. And yeah, thank you. And I suppose this path did change your life, the Southwest Coast Path. And something that I was wondering about, obviously when you did the trip to Iceland, you couldn't do a similarly long trip. And I wondered, my question was whether you'd want to, whether you would want to do it again or whether the transformations happened. I don't know. Yeah, I, th- I think there was something, like you say, transforming about that big walk. And then when we thought about going to Iceland, we only had a short window of time because... Because last year I was doing so many live events, so it was really hard to find two weeks together to go and do a, another walk. And uh, we came across this trail in Iceland, and it was now my Icelandic pr- pronunciation is terrible. Laugavegur, Laugavegur Trail, uh, and it looked so incredible. And the, the pictures of it were of these incredible multicolored mountains. And we were like, "Can we do this? Can we possibly do this?" We'll have a look, Steve Cicerone, do a guidebook. And then, of course, there was the guidebook by Paddy Dillon. We had to go. We just had to go because we thought, we'll be safe. It's fine. We've got Paddy's guidebook. And we've been across Iceland, covered in sulphur. And um, so what I need to know now, Paddy, is just how many of the long-distance trails in the UK have you actually produced guidebooks for? I think that's about six. But... I've put them all in a big compendium volume where it's easy to compare and contrast each trail throughout Britain. So the idea with this is you read this over Christmas and then you plan for the next year. But I must say, if you'd actually approached me and said, based on what I know of your walk in the southwest coast path, if you then approached me and said, we want to do the Lugavega in Iceland, I would have said, absolutely, don't do it. It will be too tough, too remote, you know, too barren. So I'm absolutely amazed that you just picked that one out and said, let's go and do it. I think that's absolutely wonderful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've just written my own Christmas list now, so I know exactly what Santa's going to be. <laughs> but <laughs> something with previous question, absolutely want to do another long-distance yeah. path because because there's something about time spent walking, yeah. uh, and you can't not do it again. You, mm. You've got to do it again. It's almost addictive. I know, Paddy, you've just got back from a very long trip doing the Southwest Coast Path, and I think did you go to Scilly as well? 
and Jersey. So and Jersey, that was it. And that sense that Raina talked about of it gets in your blood and you have to keep walking and it's addictive. Is that something that you also feel? I think so, because um, the first time I went out for a very long walk was when I was 16. And quite honestly, I haven't stopped since. I, I'm just always looking forward to the next long walk, even if I don't know what it's going to be. I'm sure Cicerone will give you plenty of things to do if you're running out. <laughs> uh, with all of these, we talked about all these routes and we obviously love them all so much. And as people who clearly love being out in the natural world and it's evident through your writing, Raida, and you're also an ambassador um, for the South West Coast Path Association. And Paddy, I know that you use public transport pretty much wherever you can. How can we protect these long distance routes and trails? I think first and foremost, when you're actually using them, you've got to use them responsibly. I always think it's a case of walking responsibly, support the local community, try not to leave any sort of massive carbon footprint. So that means when I'm going somewhere, I, I don't go by car. I've never had a car. So um, it will be train or bus and then I start walking and then it's train or bus back home. So that's my way of doing it. It's rather strange this year in that to a certain extent, people have been discouraged from using public transport. I've spent so much time trying to get people to think green in terms of transport. And um, now we're being turned on its head. It's a bit of a shame. But yeah, you've got to walk responsibly. And even when you're putting your feet down on the trail, do it carefully. I've heard this thing, leave only footprints, take only pictures. That's wonderful. But I'd almost say just take the pictures and try not even to leave a footprint. Try not to make it look as if you've even walked there. And then when there are schemes and campaigns that come up, as far as possible, lend them your support. Give them a donation. You'll come across them as you walk. There'll be somebody trying to raise money for a, a nature reserve in a place to provide a footbridge or something like that. And sometimes it's just a case of you meet somebody who's working on a path just stop and wish them well and thank them for the work they're doing because it is appreciated when you do that so yeah that's my take on it is be as gentle as you can with the country and support as much as you can I think you're absolutely right Paddy I don't think there's anything really I can add to that you've said you've totally captured what we need to take with us onto the path but I think we we take so much from the path I think one thing to really prioritise I think when you're walking those paths is take your time it's not a sport it's not it's your personal time on the path and really appreciate the countryside around you the, what you're actually doing the, the feeling of walking on that path the actual feel of connection to the land and the, the weather systems because it, it's, a, it's the places that we love that we feel really connected to they're the places that we we willingly protect and care for and put first and so I think it's all in the essence of how you use the path and, and everything that Paddy's just said is absolutely spot on. Yeah. I think that's absolutely brilliant. As a final thing about protecting the environment, one of the things as a Cicerone employee that yeah was a little bit difficult in <laughs> uh, both of your books Rainer is that throughout you talk about this brilliant plastic cover on our guidebooks um, and okay which is, is so helpful for protecting. Yeah, unfortunately, that has such a huge impact on the environment, those PVC covers, and it's something that we're trying to phase out and um, 
yeah, as part of our sustainability efforts. And we're hoping that the, the books that we put out will have a, a similarly protective cover that is less environmentally damaging. Fantastic, fantastic that you're phasing out the plastic. I mean, I do, I do talk about the, the wonderful plastic cover and it being watered. <laughs> but if that can be done without harm to the planet and without leaving anything behind when it, when it finally de degrades away, then that's absolutely fantastic. It really is, despite the fact I'm very attached to mine. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's time that we should move to some uh, questions from the audience. We've got loads and absolutely brilliant. So the first question is, I was going to ask Raina what her next hike is, but I think the question is for Paddy. So, Paddy, what is Raina's next long-distance path? I honestly wouldn't want to sort of put any pressure on any one path they should choose. I always think it's down to the person who's going to do the walking to choose the path. And like I say, I would have cautioned against Raina and Moth going on the Lurgavega in Iceland, but they did it anyway and they enjoyed it. So if I'd said, don't do it they wouldn't have had that wonderful experience. So if they wanted my advice between one walk and the other, I'd certainly give it. But I wouldn't try to sway them one way or the other at the start. I think they need to make that decision. I have talked to Paddy about quite a few routes. Before we went to Iceland, I did talk to you briefly on email about uh, Greenland. Yeah. And I bought your Greenland guidebook and I was like that about going but then kind of saw the price of the flights and that cancelled that yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but i have got a route planned for next year and i can safely say that paddy will be coming with me normally one doesn't like to be in anyone's pocket but in, in this <laughs> case i'm quite happy to be in Raina and mod's pocket and um Raina, we've got a question how long did it take you to write each of the books and was the second book harder to write because you were writing it to be published? Yeah the first book Salt Path I think it took me about six months to, to actually get the first draft down and then I spent another couple of months just playing about with it so probably in total about eight months to do that and no pressure at all it was just me writing it for, for my own sake really but when I came to write The uh, Wild Silence quite different so by then Salt Path had sold a few so there was a sort of bit of weight of expectation and uh, I agreed to write it just before Christmas 2017 no 2018 confused that 2018 and um, I started to write it and thought I can't write this this is just drivel and 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 then I just put it aside and I couldn't do it and I left it I was supposed to hand it in September and I, I started it in April so it was a bit of a, a mad one then and in between that I went to Iceland and then decided to add Iceland into it so it was all a bit chaotic really um but not chaotic because I realized by the time I got to the end of it that I wasn't writing a uh physical journey I was really writing about an emotional journey so all of that was part of what I was trying to write about I think all of that hesitation and then finding out what you really need and then following that through and and that was all part of the the emotional journey I was trying to write about so got there in the end <laughs> oh and it's it's a brilliant book another question is what advice would you give on the best way to support homeless people uh, because I've noticed a tent in our local park from time to time and I'm not sure what to do. Really 
difficult question, isn't it? Do, do you give them money? Do you give them food? Do you support your local homeless charity? And they're, they're all things that you can do. But I think you need to start at a much more fundamental, basic point than that. I think one thing that we found when we were walking was that the moment we said we were homeless, people's attitudes towards us changed. They almost physically withdrew. And I think the one thing, the most fundamental thing that you can do is realise that every homeless person is an individual. They're not a number, they're not a statistic, they're not a problem in a shop doorway. They're an individual that's come to that point through their own story in life. And so treat them as that. Treat them as a human being. Treat them as somebody who maybe it's somebody, maybe it could be be me, you know, could be you could be any of us so really basically go and talk to them ask them what they need you know don't just throw a coin and walk by ask them what they need ask them how their day's going that's the place to start because when we can all see that those homeless people are people they are they are us then that's the first step towards all the many other steps that we need to take yeah it's connecting on that basic human level isn't it it is absolutely um we've got quite a few comments actually asking how moth's doing and saying that he's a superhuman hiker as well finishing the path and living with all those difficulties um yeah it's not not just paddy i think you and moth both are superhuman hikers as well well he's superhuman in so many different ways you know some days he walks three miles not 30 but (laughs) Yeah, he, he he keeps going and that's the main thing. It's about strength of mind as much as it is about strength of body, I think. And I thought it was brilliant in both of your books how you're talking about the, you know, because we always talk about, don't we, the, the benefits of the outdoors, but it did seem like these long distance routes were the thing that um, was helping him get better and at least maintain his condition, if not improve it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and it, it is very strange how, how a long distance walk does seem to alter his, his, his strength, alter his mobility in ways nothing else seems to, to do. But also it's being outside, it's being in the natural environment. And it's what we're made for is to walk outside in, in the environment. And, and it's like putting ourselves into a more natural state, I think. And in some way, the scientists and the doctors don't really know how, but in some way that's helping him, whether it's because his, his brain is creating other, other neural pathways as he walks, or whether it's because actually our bodies physically interact with the, the chemicals that the plants are putting into the atmosphere, which they do, or whether it's a combination of all those things. I don't know, but it works for him. Unfortunately, we're pretty much out of time um but as a final question i wanted to ask both of you what you're working on at the moment or what's coming next Paddy, i know you've got a, a long list of guidebooks you're updating so i spent seven weeks walking in the summer and then came home and actually had to deliver it i finished my 10 weeks of walking on jersey the southwest coast path and the isles of Scilly. i finished late in september and I had to deliver the Southwest Coast Path by the end of October. So I did that and then immediately started work on my Isles of Silly guidebook. I had all my fun in the summer walking non-stop for 10 weeks. And now I just have to do the paperwork. It's three guidebooks back to back, one delivered, one I'm working on, one yet to start. 
So that's me up until Christmas. And then next year is a whole new year. Oh, you're keeping very busy, Paddy, as always. And uh, what about you, Raina? Are you working on anything or um, planning? I've been quite busy over the last few weeks because I've been doing a lot of the publicity for the Wild Silence because it just came out in September. So since beginning of September, it's just been full of publicity stuff for Wild Silence and articles and little bits of work around, surrounding that. But as well as that, I've started some of the research for book three and that's based on a walk that we're going to take next year. So I've been starting the, the research and, like I say, background stuff to do with that. Yeah, early days, that's the start of it. Very exciting. And yeah, I'm sure, I mean, I certainly will be waiting for that. And I think a lot of our viewers tonight will as well. We've had so many comments from people just saying thank you so much for writing this book and we absolutely loved it. And yeah, just saying that you're both, you're both superhuman and brilliant and saying thank you. That was Raina Wynn and Paddy Dillon sharing their thoughts on hiking, homelessness and writing The Salt Path and the Wild Silence. Thanks again to both of our guests and thanks to you for listening. We hope you found it as inspiring as we did. You can find out about our upcoming monthly Cicerone live events at www.cicerone.co.uk forward slash live. We'll also continue to share highlights of the events on this podcast, which you can keep up to date with by subscribing on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Podcasts and plenty other podcast platforms. And you can also go to the Cicerone website, www.cicerone.co.uk forward slash podcast. Let us know what you think by leaving reviews on your podcast platform or emailing us live at cicerone.co.uk. We'd love to hear from you. As this podcast is fortnightly, we'll be back in two weeks. In the meantime, keep up to date with all things Cicerone by searching for at Cicerone Press on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can also join our Facebook community group, Cicerone Connect, to connect with other outdoor enthusiasts. There are also plenty of articles on cicerone.co.uk where you can also check out our full range of titles and sign up to our newsletter. We hope you enjoy listening to Footnotes, the Cicerone podcast, and that you are inspired to set out and explore the outdoors. We'll see you soon.